The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Tuesday, June 8th, ahead of Game 2 tonight. I apologize that I did not record right after Game 1. I was doing what a lot of you were doing down here in Atlanta, celebrating the Game 1 victory over the 76ers on Sunday and watching the Mayweather-Logan Paul exhibition fight. And let's just say it wasn't even a fight. Floyd was clowning him the whole match. It was fun to watch. Jake Paul, like the Hawks, were clowning the Sixers for most of game one until the fourth quarter when the Sixers tightened up on defense and put immense pressure on the Hawks with full-court pressure, half-court traps, leading to a slight comeback for the Philadelphia 76ers and making it very interesting down the stretch before the Hawks finally won after some big shots from Bogey, Trey, and that dope alley-oop with about 18 seconds left as John Collins put his, let's just say I can't say that on a program, but Manscaped promo, yeah, put his care area on the back of MB's neck on a and one alley-oop. I, I was hyped. We were at work. I was getting paid to watch the game, and everybody screamed when that happened. So it was just a wonderful moment here in Atlanta to see some people in public watching the Hawks do great things. But since I missed that window to talk about game one, I'm going to briefly talk about game one, the big things that I saw from game one. It will be five things, only five things, guys. And then what to look for in game two tonight. So we're going to do all this after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HoopBall to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this is your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, 
my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. Game one was definitely all about filling each other out as far as the two teams, the 76ers and us as the Hawks. Both teams were filling each other out, trying to see what the other team was going to do, how they were going to attack offensively on both sides, and the defensive adjustments will come later. Um, and game one is all about whichever team plays harder and executes more is going to win the game. And with 19 turnovers, four to 76ers to 17 for the Hawks, only just two more turnovers for Philadelphia. But hey, Hawks out executed more than the 76ers. That's point blank period. Uh, as I said, defense will always be shoddy in game one until both teams make adjustments. So I'm curious on both sides what adjustments will be made tonight in game two. As I said before, a lot of turnovers for both teams, a lot of fouls called on both sides. And I expect those things to be cleaned up tonight. But as I said before, I'm going to talk about five big things that I noticed in game one. Number one, pretty obvious, but the three-point shooting for the Hawks. Hawks set a playoff franchise record with 20 made three-pointers on Sunday, and they were coming from everywhere and everyone. John Collins, who was three or four from the three-point line. Solomon Hill, who got the start in place of the injured DeAndre Hunter, hit some threes. Ice Trey with some threes, that's of course. Bogey had five three-pointers on Sunday, and you know, as we talked about in this program, if Bogdan Bogdanovich has three or more three-pointers made in the game, the Hawks will most likely win that game. And look what happened on Sunday. Five three-pointers made by Bogey. Hawks win. Gallinari made some threes. Lou Will made some threes. And Kevin Herter made threes as well. So they got contribution from everywhere behind the three-point arc. And with the front court and the defense that the 76ers as a team play, let's just say we're probably not going to see this every game. The Hawks are not going to shoot make 23s every game. We know how good of a defensive team that the Philadelphia 76ers are. And we may not have seen it in game one. Those who have not followed the 76ers or don't know about the 76ers, it's their first taste of playoff basketball, NBA basketball. And you're like, wow, Hawks scored 128 and they were blowing them out. They're not good on defense. This is a really good defensive team, so don't let that fool you. And trust me, the defense is going to be coming for the Philadelphia 76ers. And we saw a little precursor of that at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. But as I said, the three-pointers made by the Hawks, they were pivotal in that game one win, especially when you see that the Hawks won by four. One three, basically, like I said, it's a three and a free throw made, which Philadelphia missed a lot of free throws and didn't make as many threes, was the difference in the game, in game one. And in fact... Those threes kept the Hawks from giving up that lead to the 76ers down the stretch. The Hawks shot 42.6% from the three-point line on Sunday. And as I said, I don't expect that every game. I expect the Philadelphia 76ers to make some adjustments. They can't guard all the shooters, and there's still going to be some three-pointers made by the Hawks, but I expect them to make some adjustments. But this is going to be the formula for the Hawks going forward. They're going to have to knock down three-point shots. We already know it's going to be tough sledding in the paint, scoring the ball on Philadelphia. Philadelphia outscored the Hawks by 18 points in game one in the paint. So as I said before, those threes are going to be crucial 
moving forward in the series. So that was great to see from the Hawks, them just kill it from the three-point line. And as I said before, it's going to be a big key and something I'm going to be watching as this series progresses. Number two, the free throw line differential. The Hawks have been a great free throw shooting team the entire season. They were actually fifth in the NBA in free throw shooting percentage in the regular season. They were also second in the NBA in free throws made and fourth in free throws attempted in the NBA this year. Philly, on the flip side, were fourth in free throws made and free throws attempted this year, but their free throw percentage was 20th in the NBA. As a team, they shot about 60, sorry, 76% from the free throw line during the regular season. In game one, Philly shot more free throws than the Hawks, but they were well below that 76% free throw shooting percentage as they went 68.8% from the charity stripe and missed 11 free throws on Sunday. Am I complaining about that? No, absolutely not. Especially when you look at the flip side and the Hawks, who made 20 of 21 of their free throws for 95%. That was one of the differences in the game as well. 11 missed free throws for the 76ers compared to just one for the Hawks. And when you're going against a, a team in the Philadelphia 76ers that have Ben Simmons, Thibault, and Dwight Howard, who are all poor free throw shooters, you can afford to foul them and put all three of those players at the charity strike. Heck, they can even employ a hacker insert bad free throw shooter's name right here strategy at any point in the game to try to dictate the pace and keep control of the situation, whatever is at hand in that game. And that helps keep Philadelphia out of transition. It helps keep Philadelphia from setting up their offense. Just Fallon Simmons, Fallon Thibault, Fallon Dwight Howard, challenging them to make free throws. I feel like that is something that I'm, well, that's something I'm going to watch every game, but that is something that McMillan and his staff can employ at any time. We did not see it in game one. And depending on how Philadelphia comes out tonight, which I expect them to come out kind of on fire, really aggressive, that might be something that may be employed tonight at some point. Um, but heck, I'm not a coach. I just watch the game, you know, We'll see what happens. But that's something that the Hawks can definitely take advantage of. And the Hawks basically live at the free throw lines. So they got to continue, as far as the Atlanta Hawks, to get to the free throw line. And as I said, the 76ers will look to be probably more aggressive and more physical in game two, especially after that frustrating loss on Sunday. And we saw that, as I said before, the 76ers may have found something defensively with the four-court presses and half-court traps on our backcourt. The Hawks... Must match that energy, maybe embellish a little, do a little bit of acting, do a little bit of a LeBron James, Space Jam 2 type of acting, and get themselves to the charity strike tonight. Trey Young had nine free throw attempts on Sunday, which is a little bit below his season average per game, but no one else outside of Trey Young had more than four free throw attempts. That's something that I expect as a team for the Hawks to address in game two. Get themselves to the free throw line. We know that they can shoot well from the charity stripe, but they got to get themselves there. Number three, the Hawks bench came to play in game one, outscoring Philadelphia's bench 34 to 23, which is going to be huge going forward. Philadelphia really goes pretty deep into their bench, more so than Atlanta, 
and they've and I've said this on a previous podcast that they can go nine, ten, maybe eleven, depending on if it's a blowout uh, game. But they go a little bit deeper in their bench, and certainly Philadelphia has players off the bench who can score. Thibault can score. Uh, Corkmaz can score. Shake Milton, uh, Tyrese Maxey, the rookie from Kentucky. But they did not show up in game one like Kevin Herter showed up, who had 15 points and had a great game, game one, shooting the ball. Uh, his defense is very underrated. I've just been very impressed with Kevin Herter the second half of the season, especially since Nate McMillan has taken over. Kevin Herter's been more aggressive, and I can't speak enough of his praises, and I probably will a little bit later in this program. But Kevin Herter showed up. Lou Will showed up. Danilo Gallinari showed up. Even though Yoko Okongwu played some pretty good minutes in game one, but the Hawks bench must be ready every single game this series. Every single every single game they play in the playoffs. If they happen to move forward and play between, obviously, the Bucks and the Nets, and it looks like it's going to be the Nets probably, the bench is going to be ready. No matter what, if you're coming off the bench for the Atlanta Hawks, you must be ready. Have to be. No choice. And the Hawks are going to need that production. If not... A little more than what they did in game one. They're going to need, probably need a little bit more than 34 points off the bench tonight. As I said, I expect Philadelphia to be jacked up and their role players to play much better because I already know Doc Rivers is going to demand it, especially with it hobbled Joel Embiid, who, even though he's hobbled, he still scored 39 points on Sunday. So, I mean, he's I mean he's an MVP candidate for a reason. But the 76ers bench will have to step up tonight. And the Hawks must respond as well. They must match that energy. So that means we're going to need a little bit more from Gallo. A little bit more from Lou Will. Kevin Herter's going to have to continue to be consistent off the bench. Okongwu. Uh, Tony Snell, if he gets in. Solomon Hill, if he moves back to the bench and he gets some minutes, he's going to have to be big tonight. So the Hawks bench has to be ready to play. Number four. Bogey, Collins, and Trey Young. They all scored 21-plus points on Sunday. That was huge, and it was not overlooked, especially not by me. I don't have the stats in front of me about how many times Bogey, Collins, and Young have scored 21-plus points this year, but I will go out on a limb and say it wasn't too many times, but they were probably be really successful in those games when all three of them were scoring 20-plus points. And having those three players, Bogey, Collins, and Young, first off, Great game from John Collins. This is what we want to see game in and game out. This is what max contract players do. In big moments, you come up and you play the way you played on Sunday. So hats off John Collins. But if you have those three players leading in scoring for the Hawks, the Hawks are most likely going to win. And depending on DeAndre Hunter's health, who is a game-time decision right now tonight, and Cam Reddish, who is getting close to suiting up, uh, there's rumors that he could come back and suit up pretty soon for the Hawks, which could be huge. But right now, we can't depend on them. And as I said before, I expect Philly to crank up the pressure and really attack our guards defensively with a lot of pressure and some traps. So John Collins is going to be the X factor going forward right now. We're going to have to continue to get really good production out of John Collins on a nightly basis. And I say at least 17, 18 points from John Collins. It would help the Hawks tremendously if we can get that production out of Collins because Trey Young is going to be Trey Young. Bokey can still struggle, but it, but with the consistency that Kevin Herter has been showing, and if the bench can be there, 
big contribution from John Collins would really help this Hawks team. And that's something I'm going to be watching tonight in game two. And number five, the last thing that I noticed, which I've been foreshadowing the entire program, was Philly's defensive pressure in the fourth quarter. That is something I took note of because it seems like in a lot of playoff game ones that I've been watching over the years as I've been watching basketball, it seems like whichever team loses in game one or gets blown out in game one, and let's say they happen to find something that works late in that game, even though they're not going to win that game, a lot of times when they find success late in the game with something, that's that something is probably going to be heavily you know, infused into the game plan the next game. It kind of foreshadows the adjustments that are to come. And I think that, as I said, that full-court pressure and them half-court traps will be implemented again little by little. Obviously, they're going to have to expend a lot of energy doing that, which means Philadelphia, who, like I said, they go deep in the bench, can afford to do that. I think that's going to be implemented again in stretches tonight to keep from the Hawks really dictating the pace over the 76ers because in game one, the Hawks were the aggressors most of the game. They dictated the pace of the game into their favor. And Philadelphia really didn't have control of the game until they increased their defensive pressure late in the second half into the fourth quarter, as I said before. And let's just say, Philly can score too. Philly is one of the best defensive teams in the league, but this team can score. I mean, you, if you watch round one, them against the Wizards, I know it's the Wizards, but they put up a lot of points in that series. Philly, they love to be able to set up their offense like Ben Simmons getting into the paint, penetrating, kicking out to his shooters, the Seth Currys, the Tobias Harris's, obviously giving the ball to Joel Embiid, letting him do his thing, and obviously the players off the bench who can score. But as I said before, their bread and butter is defense. They were number two in the regular season in defensive rating. And as I said before, they dominated in round one. So I'm really curious as to what adjustments the Sixers staff will do defensively to try to slow down the Hawks and disrupt Trey Young and Bogey. And more importantly, on the flip side of things, what is Nate McMillan going to do, the defensive mind that he is, to anticipate what Doc Rivers is going to be trying to employ on defense so offensively we can still find things to keep this thing going in the right direction offensively. So it's going to be a chess match. We won the first battle, but this is a war. This is, it's going to be a long war, potentially. But if they can continue to find things that work offensively and continue to play the defense that they have been playing throughout the playoffs, talking about the Atlanta Hawks, if they can somehow steal game two, it really bodes well for the Hawks moving forward to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, which no one expected this year. I expected them get to the playoffs and... Maybe we're in a round one series, but I thought that this was going to be the end of the road. They came out with a great showing in game one. It's obviously not over. It's going to be a long series. Philadelphia is a really good team. They're the number one seed in the East for a reason. But the Hawks really have a chance to take a stranglehold on, on this series coming back to ATL on Friday in front of the home crowd, which is going to be bonkers. And I can't wait for them to come home for game three. But we got to play game two first, which I said is tonight. So I'm going to talk about what am I looking for game two. A lot of stuff that I've already mentioned that I'm going to be looking for, like the first thing, the adjustments by both teams. I said it's going to be a chess match. Philly's going to be making some moves defensively. 
what is Nate McMillan going to do offensively to counteract that, and as well as what can the Hawks do better on defense. They gave up a lot of points in the paint. The bigs, which we'll talk about a little bit later as far as what I'm looking for, um, had a tough time with Joel Embiid in the paint. And a lot of people have a tough time with Joel Embiid in the paint. But we're going to have to find something that's going to work defensively as far as protecting the rim and obviously staying attached to those shooters. So it's going to be interesting to see the adjustments on both sides of the floor for the Hawks and what the Philadelphia 76ers are going to do. Speaking of 76ers, whatever energy the 76ers are going to come in with, that crowd is really going to help. The Hawks have to match that energy at best. At minimal, you have to match the energy of the Philadelphia 76ers. They're going to come out and try to attack you and punch you in the mouth early in this game tonight. I expect it. Do not be surprised by it, Hawks fans. They're going to come out and respond. Like I said, they're the number one team in the East for a reason. They are going to come out and respond. Hawks have battled adversity all year long. You got to bring that energy. You got to bring the effort. You got to bring the hustle. You got to bring it tonight. They brought it game one. You got to do it every game. And this game more important than game two, in my opinion. You got to do it because you already know they're gunning for you. They are. They said, all right, we got hit in the mouth around uh, game one. Bet. We got game two. We still at the crib. So I'm really excited to see that matchup play out. Number three, what am I looking for? As I said before, John Collins' contribution. Give me 17, 18 points. Get you at least 10 shot attempts tonight. Continue to do the things you're doing defensively. Bring that energy. Bring that hustle. Continue to be that uplifting leader on the court. Him and Capella do a wonderful job of really, you know, along with Trey Young's play and his, you know, swagger and, and, and everything. But Collins and Capella do a really good job of doing the little things to, <clears throat> excuse me, to get this crowd, sorry, get this team hype and ready to play. And they kind of follow suit. Whatever they're doing as far as energy, effort, hustle, they're encouraging their teammates. They're on the sideline, engaged every moment of the game. And I love that from Collins and Capella. But Capella's going to have to bring it tonight as well. But Collins, more importantly, as I said, he's probably the X factor right now. And I said the next thing I'm looking forward to is whatever DeAndre Hunter's game time status will be. If he plays, it's still going to be John Collins as the X factor. Hunter's going to be obviously coming back from the knee soreness, and he's going to be big as far as, and I will talk about that a little bit later, his defensive assignment, which I'm really, really curious and excited to see from DeAndre Hunter. But John Collins got to be ready. Get your 17, 18 points. Continue to shoot well from the three-point line. Continue those dunks, those energy plays, because you're going to have everybody in that arena against you. Everybody in that arena against you. You're going to have the 76ers against you. You may have some some bad calls against you. You got to generate your own energy, your own spark within your team, and John Collins can do that. Defensively, Capella can do that. Trey Young with big shots and big moments, he can do that. Pretty much anybody in this team is capable of doing it. Those threes from Herder, threes from Bogey, everybody, everybody is capable of doing that. But John Collins is, is a little bit different with his explosiveness. So I'm really excited to see what contributions he has. As I mentioned, I'm really curious to see DeAndre Hunter's game time status. I hope he can play. I talked about this as well, what I'll be looking for. Who will be ready off the bench? As I said, Herder's had a great last half of the regular season and playoffs so far. 
I want to continue to see him be consistent, be aggressive off the bench, and score at all three levels. Get to the rim, Kevin Herter. Shoot that mid-range, Jay. When he shoots from the mid-range, he's pretty much automatic most of the times. And obviously, shooting well from the three-point line as well. Attack at all three levels. He's really, really underrated as an off-ball defender, and he's getting better as an on-ball defender. So, Kevin Herter, I'm watching you tonight off the bench. I want to see you continue to bring that same energy that you continue to bring, basically, like I said, the whole second half of the season and throughout the playoffs. He's going to be real key off the bench tonight. Another thing I'm looking for, we got to limit Tobias Harris. As I said before, the defensive matchup for DeAndre Hunter that I was kind of foreshadowing. If DeAndre Hunter is healthy, this is the matchup I'm excited to watch. Because DeAndre Hunter is extremely equipped to guard Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris had 20 and 10 in a losing effort on Sunday. Not bad numbers. Not bad at all. And Stephen A. Smith, who was finally singing Hawks praises in the national media after we bounced his New York Knicks in the first round, said that Philadelphia needs more from Tobias Harris. They said, hey, Tobias Harris needs to score close to 30 for them to beat the Hawks. I don't think he needs to score close to 30. I don't even want to think about Tobias Harris scoring close to 30. But one thing I can agree with Stephen A. Smith is that we're going to have to do more to stop him. And as I said, DeAndre Hunter is really, really, really equipped to do that, as well as a healthy Cam Reddish whenever he does return. But Tobias Harris is the X factor for the Philadelphia 76ers, and we're going to have to do all that we can to limit him tonight. Another thing I'm watching, as I said, there was a lot of fouls called in game one, and Hawks bigs must avoid foul trouble. Collins, Capella, and Okongu, all of them had at least four fouls on Sunday. Four fouls in the game. We can't afford any of those three players to sit. Obviously, Collins and Capella more so than Okongu, but when you're the first big off the bench, uh, Oyeko Okongu, and he's a rookie, so he gets a little bit of a pass here, but we're going to have to do our best to not foul. Defend without fouling. I mean, it's going to be it's tough sledding. Philadelphia has a slight edge in the paint because they have the MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. Hurt or not, if he's available, he's a mismatch. He can score at all three levels. That's what makes Joel Embiid dangerous with his size and his skill. But I said, we're going to have to not foul. Collins, Capello, Congo. We cannot get in foul trouble because that will lend to the bigs for the 76ers. Looking at the front court for the Hawks, if they're in foul trouble like barbecue chicken, being aggressive, getting them in more foul trouble, and just scoring. As I said, they did well scoring in the paint game one. If those three are in foul trouble, that's going to lend to more points being scored in the paint for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, we're going to have to do better in that regard. And on the flip side of things, the Hawks must foul those poor, poor free throw shooters for the Philadelphia 76ers. Thibel, Howard, Ben Simmons. Don't let it be the bigs. Let Snell, some of the other players who can afford some fouls, you know, hack them. Let them do that. But, like I said, what I expect from the Philadelphia 76ers, how they're going to come out, we're going to have to have a handle on the pace and the momentum of the game. And that is something that we can employ. Implore, sorry. Hack Ben Simmons. Hack Thibel. Hack Howard. Put him in the free throw line. See if you can make some free throws. But all in all, it's going to be a fun one tonight. 
Should be a fun one. Tip off is slated for 7.50 Eastern time on TNT. It's already great that Atlanta took one in Philly, which was huge and unexpected. And I figured that out of game one, game two, the Hawks had a better chance of winning game one because, as I said, it's a filler out game. And normally both teams are not playing their best defensively in game one unless you're just automatically the better team. Unless you're just the better team, more time than not defensively, they'll, it cancels out. And those teams are trying to figure out what the other team's going to do offensively to attack them. And then you make adjustments game two. I expect game two to be tighter, more physical, and Hawks will have to work harder, move the ball more, win the hustle stats, stay attached to those shooters. As I said before, limit Tobias Harris and just weather the storm. Philly's going to be throwing a lot of punches this game. He's going to be really jacked up for this game, fired up for this game. And the Hawks must battle adversity again, even though they're up 1-0. It is going to strike at some point this game. Adversity is going to come at some point in game two tonight. So I expect, I expect it. Hawks fans should expect it as well. But I also expect Atlanta to respond. They've battled adversity all year long. They've battled adversity in game two for the Knicks. And then we saw what happened from there. Obviously, the 76ers are not the Knicks. The 76ers are much better than the Knicks. This is a, still a tall order. But it was great that they got game one. Game two is going to be a battle. Let's see how they respond. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share it with fellow Hawks fans, NBA basketball enthusiasts, new fans, Atlanta sports fans, pretty much anybody who is watching this series. Direct them to this podcast because... I'm going to give you insight that other programs won't who cover the Hawks. And that's what makes this program special. But what also makes the program special special is you listeners who tune in every single time an episode drops. So I just appreciate you. But do your job, listeners. Share this with everybody. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett, 67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7 on Twitter. Have fun tonight, guys. Enjoy the game, and we will catch you guys next episode. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.